welcome. It is so good to see everybody and feel your energy here on Family Sunday. It's always good to see this many people at the welcome because it's usually about a third of this, so I love that about Family <laughs> Sunday. Um, my name is Antramika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you here to River City today. Um, if this is your first time here, we are so glad you chose to join us this Sunday, sunny day. It's Sunday too, but <laughs> so glad. And I'm glad it's Sunday. Like, I have been counting down till March 19th, which is the first day of spring, if you didn't know that. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. Yes, God. Because it's so important to me for it to be warm. Um, here at River City, we read from the lectionary each Sunday. Um, it's a way to connect with the global body because we are all the bride of um, Christ. And today's psalm is Psalm 2, and it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in desertion. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If we bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we welcome the River City community today. We thank you for this psalm as a reminder that we are to take refuge in you that you are holy and we are anointed, that you have chosen each one of us, Father God, that there is no accident or mistake, that we are loved by you, our Father. We thank you for our sisters and brothers here, and we just welcome and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we pray for our community. I'd love to carry the same energy as we do in worship into our prayers this morning, believing that God can really make a way in some of the circumstances that we see, even in the pictures on the screens as they scroll. I think many of us come in here with weight, but we believe that God is a way maker, right? Yeah. So God can make a way and he can make a way in our own circumstances, whether it's job loss or whether it's coronavirus. So God is gonna make a way. It says that we have the faith of a mustard seed, he can move mountains, right? And I believe today that God wants to carve a path out of mountains. So I ask that you'd pray with me for the universal church, its members and its mission, God, for everyone from this place all the way to the ends of the earth, God, for those gathering in churches, God, those not gathering in churches, 
God, that you would be with us. God, that even as we enter into this Lenten season, God, that we would be unified just as you are unified. God, we pray for the success of new churches, existing churches all across our world. God, that we would rejoice that the gospel is preached. God, we pray for the persecuted church all across the world. God, we pray specifically, God, as we continue to pray for the Nigerian church, God, as persecution is, is rampant in the Nigerian church right now, as even yesterday, five churches were burned to the ground, many Christians killed. God, we pray for your hand to be in those situations, God, that you would put an end to what Boko Haram is doing in Nigeria, God. We continue to partner with the believers there and ask that you would make a way. Lord, hear our prayer. Can you hear us calling? You hear us calling, Abba Father. Yeah, 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 yeah. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. For our world and all those in it, we pray for the people of China, South Korea, Italy, and all of the unnamed places stricken by the coronavirus. We pray your healing over those afflicted, your peace on the families that have lost loved ones, your protection over those that are charged with caring for the ill, and your wisdom to those charged with devising a treatment. We pray for the country of Sudan. May the newly formed government truly commit to ending the violence in their country and a permanent peace. Finally, for the leaders you have placed and are calling forward around the world in churches, villages, and provinces. May their choices ever reflect their hopes rather than their fears. Lord, hear our prayer. Stir up your faith today. Come on. Yeah, you hear us calling. You hear us calling. Abba Father. Yeah, I know you hear us. You hear us calling. You hear us calling. Abba Father. For the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, Lord, we pray for our local leaders, government, and municipalities as we intercede on behalf of our mayors, city councilmen, and all in leadership. We pray that the decisions they make are birthed out of godly wisdom and goodwill for its citizenry. Lord, we pray for peace and prosperity for our city and surrounding areas, as your word directs us, so that we too are blessed in the same way. Father, we pray for the schools of Smyrna and Cobb County where the public, private, parochial, or homeschools, we ask that you place a hedge of protection around each of them, that our schools will be safe havens for our children, a place where the next generation of leaders can learn and thrive. Jesus, we ask that you go into each school through the children of RCC and those of other local churches. Embolden them to let their light shine. Protect their hearts, their spirits, and their minds as they grow. Then, too, we pray for the teachers, the faculty and staff, that they would see the fruits of their labor and be pleased. Even when they don't always feel appreciated or respected as they should, Lord, we ask for a daily renewing and refreshing for them. Give them your love for our children and bless them. Lord, hear our prayer. And Lord, have mercy. Christ have mercy and Lord have mercy Christ have 
for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. Lord, for those in our body who feel that they are in impossible situations, bring your hope, restore your deep and abiding peace. For the men who were on the retreat, seal the works that you did in their hearts and their minds and their bodies, that the enemy would not take away anything that they received from you. Lord, we thank you for the raises, for new jobs, for opportunities for healing from infection, and for positive responses to cancer treatments. We praise you. And Lord, for the prayers of our children. Lord, reveal yourself and the truth of your love to Nia's brother and father. Lord, for anyone who's having a hard time to know that you are with them. God, we thank you for telling, I thank you for telling me that I'm smart. You're the best. God, thank you for making us even when you knew we would mess up. Lord, please help me in school. Lord, hear our prayers. that you would help us to continue to be present with you as you were present with us. We thank you for the gifts today of experiencing your presence and power in worship through song and experience your presence and power in prayers for those that we don't see in this room. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to do a super long introduction other than uh, Dr. Johns to me is... Um, she came into my life at a time where I actually went to seminary, and she was by far my favorite teacher in my life, but it, she had just a massive impact on every part of what I would become, and it was probably confusing for her when I started to share this with her later, but in the nature of our church and what we are, she's had a lot of um, help in creating that from the beginning, and then now she's become a voice for a lot of people that is helpful in reclaiming some of the things that I think the gospel was intended to be. And I liked personally that the, the environment that she speaks to, I think, today, and the voice that I think she really has that helps me is she's not trying to hand over something for something new. She's trying to reclaim something and, and remind how good the gospel is and what its intentions are. And so to me, that's what, why I really appreciate who you are, um, your Twitter account. That, that's a hilarious thing, but I think you have a voice to a larger community. And 
And I just want to say thank you again, and thank you for being willing to come to our church and share to our body. And I, I would just ask that you guys honor her by listening and staying present the whole time. So thank you very much. You want to come this way? It's really good to be back at River City Church. And thank you again, Pastor Josh and Sarah, for the invitation to come back anytime. I love this church. And I was, I was just thinking, though, that the guys should just preach the sermon today. Uh, you're fired up and you're, and you're full of so much of what God is saying and doing that I could just sit and listen to you. Um, you know, the, the image there of, of the guy jumping off and then hammering the thing. My husband, bless his heart, um, he comes from South Georgia stock farming near the Okefenokee Swamp. Stories of, uh, mythic stories of guys that went in the swamp and came out years later. with a, It's just story after story. You know, they, they go out and they bring these logs and carry them. And that's the family history that my husband has. So we have this little farm. And, yesterday, and, and part of that culture is never hire anyone to do anything what you can do yourself. It might take 10 years, but never hire anyone. So we have a, a small farm, and on the edge of the forest, there was a massive oak tree that died uh, last year. That happens sometimes after there's a drought. A year or two later, the oaks have shallow roots, and so this beautiful oak tree died. And it's right on the edge of the pasture. It could flow, fall over on the cows or whatever. So my husband decided yesterday he and his friend Jeremy were going to cut it down. And he has one small chainsaw. And this is a massive oak tree. And they put a ladder up and put a uh, cable out. And, and it got dark last night, and I could still hear my husband's chainsaw. And so this morning, he had to go get a part for it. And it's one of those ox-in-the-ditch work on Sunday because the tree will fall over now. It's three-fourths of the way sawed through, but it's not falling, and the cows are around, so I am praying, if you would join me, that um, when I get home today, the tree will be down, and my husband won't be under it, and that things will be okay, but it's, it's never boring at our place, never, never boring at that. The uh, lectionary text today has such wonderful stories, and the story on Exodus 24 is where Moses and the elders go up on the mountain and God is there. And it's, there's some words there that I had never really noticed before. It said that God was there and beneath God there was sapphire clear like the sky. And I just thought that must have been amazing. And then the other text is found in Matthew 17 where Jesus takes math, uh, his three Three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, takes them up to the mount on top of the mountain, and there uh, Moses and Elijah join Jesus, and they're all there together, and it's just wonderful. Um, and if I were to um, say what I believe the Lord wants us to hear today, it's these words. You know, after Moses died, and 
Joshua died and all that glory just seemed to dissipate. So the book of Genesis, Judges opens with the words, you know, there arose a generation who did not know the Lord. Especially in the way that had been seen there with Moses. I think if we were to say something today, even about Christians today, I would say, and there arose a generation who knew not the glory of God. The glory of God is the presence of God. It is the, it's our eternal home. That's where we belong. That's the air we, were going, we breathe as Christians. But sometimes I believe we see Christianity as somehow that we are card-carrying Christians, that we got the get-out-of-hell card and we carry it and we've been sort of got the justified and uh, forgiven of sin stamped on that and we carry it around like this uh, this is who I am we're not to be card carrying Christians we're to be glory bearing Christians and that is a whole different dimension of reality and you know last time I was here I took you into that spooky dimension of scripture and today is no different I'm going to take you into another enchanted world and that world is the glory of God Would you stand with me for the reading of Scripture? Paul, I believe, this is not in the lectionary text today, but Paul is referencing what is in the lectionary text, is Moses up on the mountain. And in his uh, second Corinthians here, this epistle, he begins by uh, talking to the church there, and he says, but their minds were hardened, indeed, To this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil is still there since only Christ, only in Christ is it set aside. In other words, you know, there was this veil that had to be put on Moses because he had so much of the glory of God still residually on him. Indeed, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, this is so beautiful, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, And this is such beautiful imagery here. The same God who said at the dawn of creation, let light shine out of darkness, then turns to us 
and says, let the light shine in your hearts. It's the same words. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power, that's extraordinary power, the same power that framed the universe that has been spoken into us belongs to God and does not come from us. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So there arose a generation that did not know the glory of God. I think we know a lot of glory, of certain kinds of glory. We know the glory of narcissistic leaders, be they leaders in the church or leaders in the world. We know the glory of celebrity culture, the glory of celebrity pastors. We know the glory of all kinds of vain things that keep us from really seeing what we need to see. And that is the real glory that is here even now and will one day fill the whole universe. But I believe we're we're blinded. It's sort of like Paul said, a veil is over our eyes. And we get enticed to this other these other forms of glory. And we become we bask in things we don't need to bask in. So there's this whole generation of young Christians, Christians my age, boomers even, that we have grown, you can say, okay, boomer, I'm all right with that too. Uh, We've kind of grown up and we know know the, the smoke machines, but we don't know the heavy fog of the presence of God. We know the shining lights, flashing lights on a worship set, but we don't know the radiance of the glory of God. So far from that, I believe that we live. Paul here in 2 Corinthians says to us that we are ministers of this glory. We are ministers of this grace. We are ministers of the glory that was present in creation, the glory that was up on the mountain when Moses was there, the glory that was with the disciples. And he said, you know, if there was so much glory up that mountain with Moses, how much more is it in this present time in this ministry of justification? We are in what he called a permanent glory. A permanent glory. And it is here. It resides here, but it shall fill all things in one at, in, the, in the time that is coming. And until then, we get to taste it. We get to bear it. We get to cry for it. We get to long for it. We get to imagine. We get to see that which is coming. And most of all, we get to witness to it and bear witness to it and let it abide in us and surround us and we are to be part of that glory you know they stood far off in the story in exodus but we are to draw near we're to draw near and we are to come paul said here with unveiled faces 
So can you imagine this? That the, the very face of Christ turns to us. And we can see the glory of God revealed in that face. But it does something to us. When, when the Lord turns the glorious face to us, it shines on us. And it mirrors back. We mirror back. We become participants in that glory. And, and at one time when we pass through the veil, we're just, it's not going to be like a mirror, but we are going to be really face to face. But now that time is still here where the Lord can turn to us in such love and in such compassion, but also such wonder and such transfiguration that we can have a sense of it not dissipating as it did with Moses, but that it grows. And Paul says this, we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. There is a deepening and a, an awareness of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Well, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. And you can actually, it can be translated make fat. And when it uh, kind of goes along with honor and glory. So when, when the people in Israel were instructed to honor their parents, it was literally make them fat, make sure they have food keep them up you know um, but the glory of God is a heaviness in the Old Testament and and, and I, I love that imagery because it is something that bears down that is more than we have capacity for so that if we were to be in the glory of God without our bodies that are going to be transformed in the resurrection we would die we couldn't take that glory but we get these moments in time and I believe we don't have them enough when we begin to do the weight bearing and the glory comes and we begin to sense that heaviness it's a good heaviness I don't quite know how to describe it it's like when the glory of God comes, we go down. We go down. But it's down in a way that is a good going down. It's like I cannot bear this, so I go down. As it presses down on me, I am in a space of wonder and delight. And it is a time, and time and space seem nothing in that presence. I have been in services where we sensed that heaviness, that Shekinah that came, and that heaviness where you go down. And then hours later, you realize time has passed. And even then, you don't want to leave. You know what it's like. You sit and you say, if I could just sit here for a little longer, if I could just stay here, would it, I would be like Peter, wouldn't it be good if we could just build a little tabernacle here and we can just stay here all the time? But I believe we get these moments in which we get, it's like a tasting room. We're going into tasting what's coming. And then the more we taste, the more we long. And then all creation is joining with us in the longing. 
for the glory that is to come. Groaning. All creation is groaning. So the glory of God is in creation, but yet creation is groaning for the more. The glory of God is in us. The Lord spoke to us, you know, let there be the light of Christ in you. Let there be the light of Christ. Just as God said it, the dawn of creation, let there be light. He turns to each of us and says, let there be light in you. And that is the light of the face of Jesus Christ, the life of God in us. And that life is longing. Inside of each of us, there is something that is longing for the more. And it calls out. It calls out. And I believe we, 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 we have a way of not paying attention, of dulling it, not knowing that it's calling out. There are times when I have, a few months ago, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would hear the words, it is I, out of the last part of Revelation, it is I, Jesus, the root of David. And the bright morning star. And then something in me comes, calls out, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And then it's just like a, sing, a, a call in, a, a, it is a call in response. It is I, Jesus, the root of David, the bright morning star. And then that which is in me calls out. And the spirit and the bride say, come. It is I, Jesus, over and over, and then I go back to sleep. And you know the reason I think it happens sometimes, like in that period of waking and sleeping, is because I'm not, I'm not shutting it down with everything, with Twitter or Facebook or work or this or that or Netflix. It's just there. And most of the time, I'm not listening to it. It's there. Jesus is there calling. It is I, Jesus. And in us is that response. The spirit and the bride say, come, come, come. Isn't that wonderful when we can live or be in that period of time? There are times when I say, I believe the Lord is, is saying, as he did to the disciples, why don't we just come up together? Let's just come up here for a while, have a little fellowship. Let's just be together. Let's just be together. And that's wonderful when we can just be with the Lord. Most of the time, I think that's when we experience this wonder and this glory. When, when we are just sometimes, I'm a person of nature and I love to hike and and if I'm there and I can hear the wind and the pines and the uh, mountain stream, there's something there about glory. There's glory there. It's wonderful. And so we create these spaces, but the Spirit carves out these spaces. And our worshiping community is one of those spaces that we carve out. And then we say, come, come. We're not going to be distracted from everything. We're going to focus now, and we're going to allow our spirit and our, our whole being to call out to the Lord to come. So why is the glory of the Lord so rare these days? I think for one reason, a lot of people don't know it. Because if we knew it more, we would hunger more for it. Have you ever said... Um, 
to somebody, if you would just taste that, you would be hooked. And I think that it is what about the glory of God. It's just so wonderful, but so many people don't know that wonder, and they live apart from it. I believe another contributing factor is in our celebrity culture, it's self-glory. So how do you have self-glory? The, the glory of the Lord is not going to be shared with somebody else's glory. I'm sorry. That's just not going to be it. You're not going to be able to say, it's all about me. And, oh, yeah, there's the glory of God over here. It just is not going to, you just can't carry it around like that. And so it, I think you have to choose. You have to choose. And in the passage here in, in 2 Corinthians, um, this is how you choose. You become bearers of the death of Jesus. Glory comes to the humble cross bearers. There is not the glory and then there's the cross. There is the glory of the cross. That doesn't make sense, does it? That we would say, okay, here's the glory of God. And Jesus, you know, endured the cross for that glory. No, he endured the glory and the shame of the cross. It's, it's, it's a Mobius band. It's all one. So you cannot have the glory of God if you're not willing to be a cross bearer. That's what Paul is telling the church at Corinth. He ha they had some problems. They wanted a lot of the gifts of the Spirit and the glory of God, but they did not want to be the cross bearers. He says to them, we carry in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may, may be visible. So I carry in my body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be more visible. And the less I carry of the death of Jesus, the less of the life of Jesus. The more I carry the stench of death, the more I have the fragrance of life. And as a priest before God, I have both on me the fragrance of life and the stench of death. And it is intertwined. It is there. And we are an aroma of life, but we bear on us as well the stench of death. Are we willing to bear that stench of death? Are we willing to be the cross bearers? We're in a time of triumphant Christianity. The way I hear some Christians today, they're just going to take it all over. They're just going to go on in, take over the White House, take over Congress, take over education, take over government. They're just going to take it all back for Jesus. Well, I don't see the New Testament talking that way. Christ is going to come and take it all over. He really is. If you look at Revelation, all the kingdoms of the earth will be taken, and it shall be the one kingdom. But that's not our duty. We are ambassadors of another kingdom. If you ever have gone to a consulate of... Um, like I was in the consulate of the U.S. consulate in China when we were, my daughter was adopting our grandson. And, you know, when you step on the grounds of the consulate, uh, you know, my daughter turned to the, her little new baby boy and she said, Carter, welcome home. Well, we were still in China. But when, when we got there, um, he was home. So we go into the consulate, a friend of mine, had been transferred to that consulate, and there was a prayer group there, and they were praying for our grandson, my grandson. So 
people in the consulate were coming out, is that Carter? We've been praying for him. Is that Carter? And then when they swore him in, my friend got to do the swearing in. And I saw here that I had this sense of being home. I was, I was in Guangzhou, China, but I was home. That's what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. The consulate doesn't try to take over China. If it did, guess what would happen? We would no longer have a consulate, right? But when you're on the grounds of that embassy, you're in the U.S., the laws of the U.S. That's why citizens of the U.S. will try to get to the embassy when there's trouble. We're ambassadors of another kingdom. And we're to, we're to, this River City Church is a consulate of the kingdom. Right here, when you walk in the door, you're home. The, the laws of the kingdom are here. And the glory of that kingdom can reside here. So it is not our duty to say, well, we're just going to take it all over. You know, it never has worked in history, Rich Reed Church history. We get really drunk on power and then we get really corrupt and then we get mean and then we start killing people and all for good Jesus, all for Jesus, you know. So I don't think it has ever worked in history. What has worked has been the patient ferment of the yeast and the salt and the light and the, and the outpost of the kingdom here, the outpost of the kingdom in Nigeria, the outpost of the kingdom here in Smyrna, the outpost of the kingdom in China. All around the world there are lights burning. That's the kingdom. Isn't it wonderful? That's the kingdom. To be in that kingdom is to be in that glory. The glory of the world pales in comparison to the glory of God. And I don't believe you can have both. Because we have a way of being enticed by the glory of the world and political power, um, shock and awe of empire, I call it. And, you know, empires have glory, don't they? It's a glory, which is fine. But it's not my permanent home. It's not the glory in which I find my life and my strength. I want to encourage you this morning just to seek for the glory of God. Seek for the presence of God. And in doing so, anticipate it. Find places where you will ask the Lord, like Moses did, would you show me your glory? Would you show me your face, your glory? I need times like that. And in my life, they happen. I can't cause them to happen. I can long for it. But usually when it happens, I'm just blown away. And I think God delights in that kind of surprise of his visitation because we can't work it up. You ever been in, I've been in enough Pentecostal services where they just try to work it up and it's just awful. It's not really right. 
But I have been in others where it's the glory of God that comes. And the heaviness bears down on us. And our faces are shining with that glory. And we, as Paul said, sit together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. It's not that we will sit together with Christ Jesus. We do. We sit together with Jesus in heavenly places. So I want to tell you about one of my glory spots on the earth. And Bill would put this uh, short cathedral up. It's, my, one of my, it's one of my favorite holy spots on the whole face of the earth. Um, it's a beautiful cathedral. If you have, any of you have been to Chart, uh, about 30 miles outside of Paris, and it was built, oh goodness, in layers of time, but um, to replicate the holy ci- uh, heavenly city. So if you go in... There's a labyrinth, you know, the pilgrims would have to, you know, you're a pilgrim and you're going to the holy city. So people would go into short and it would image for them, everything would image for them. And it's a theological treatise. Every stone relates to every other stone and every window relates to every other window. And I was at the Roman Catholic Pentecostal Dialogue in Paris years ago and we took the train out to short. We were met at the door by a a Catholic sister, and when she started talking, I knew she was filled with the glory of God and the Spirit of God. I kind of liken her to Anna, who never left the temple day and night. I don't think she ever left Chart, and somehow she had merged with that building. It was strange. And she was bubbling with joy. It was like something was just spilling out of her. So she took us and she said, I'm going to give you a lesson in this window. Every window is related. We went into a New Testament story in a lesson. But then eventually she took us down into the bottom of Chart, the crypt. And we always show that. This place was, um, the Druids had a sacred space there. Um, And then the Romans came here. And there's a 100-foot well that the Celt, the Druids had, had um, dug there. And then the Romans came and built a fort there about 6th, 7th, oh, yeah, maybe earlier than that. And uh, the, the stories are that the Christians that were in that area, the Romans would throw them into the well. So there's a lot of legend and story. And, and you go from like 5th century, 6th century, 7th century, up to about the 11th century underneath here in different parts of this crypt. They call it the crypt. And, you know, they buried people there a lot. So you're walking on probably bones of dead people, but uh, the walls are just lined with faded uh, images of people worshiping, you know, just it's a, an amazing place. So she took us down and was telling us about the history of it with the Romans and all. And how she said to us, we were sitting here. You can see chairs there. She said, imagine if you would, sitting here um, a thousand or more years ago and worshiping here. And... What would that have been like? Look at the walls. Look at the people on the walls. And, and would not, you know, we could worship with them. And then something just seemed to have sweeped through that room. And one of the 
Roman Catholic German theologians just begins to sing in tongues, just singing in tongues. And suddenly it was just like a visitation of the glory of God. And we were there. And I, I remember being there in this space, and I would ask, Am, who's here? Who's here? And you know what? I think the saints had just stepped through, and they were going to join us. And Jesus was there. You know, we say the cloud of witnesses. And I want to give you an image of the cloud of witnesses. Don't do this. Like they're way up there. I don't know how many billion miles looking down. Do this. See, that's the whole metaphysics of today. You know, multi-universes and all. How far do you have to go to get to heaven? Right here. That's the gospel of Mark. It just comes out, woo, right there. So they didn't have to travel far. All they had to do was just step through. And they were all, we were all there together. And we began to sing the course that is now the uh, protest song in Hong Kong, the, the charismatic chorus, Sing Hallelujah to the Lord. And we were singing Hallelujah, and we would do it in a round, and I could almost hear the angels and the saints. And I kept saying, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave here. Something has happened here. And that is what happens, I believe, when we are in the presence of God, is that we are with the heavenly company who are sitting with Jesus, who are already crossing the veil. But sometimes I believe the Celtic imagery of the thin place, it gets so thin that we are, we are there, they are here. It's like being with someone who's crossing over. And you ask, are they over there? Yeah, they're talking to people. Are they here? Yeah. Where are they? Both places. They've just got one foot here and one foot there. And it's a wonderful thing to be in the presence of a Christian saint who's dying, who, who is there, and you can see, they see, they talk. They're not out of their head. They're just crossing over. And so when the glory of God comes to us, we just get to dip our toe over. And the people who are over there, I think they just dip their toe back with us. And time is trans it's fused, it's all fused in a wonderful, wonderful way. And though that great cloud of witnesses worships with us. Isn't that wonderful? And we are before the throne, and we are we are singing to the Lamb, hallelujah. And the Lord comes in mysterious times. I was just on a tour, but I got a spirit-filled tour guide who was just radiating God. And she ushered us in to something very ancient, eternally young. It was an amazing space, an amazing space. That's where I believe we should try to go in ways that we, we should ask the Lord, could, could you just make the veil a little thin today for me? I'm weary. I'm tired. Um, I, just need, I just need some of refreshing. I just need some of that wonderful heaviness. Would you come? I, I just ask that you come.
And you know what? The Lord does. The Lord comes. The Lord comes. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to. You know, I had double knee surgery a few weeks ago. Josh asked me if I was all right, and I'm, I'm all right. Uh, it's still not quite there. But the first days after that surgery, you don't feel like doing anything, and you don't feel like praying, reading your Bible. You're just, and I remember at night, I would just lay back in this soft bed, and I would say to the Lord, would you just come and hold me in this pain, in this time, in this healing of my body? And it was like an amazing time. I almost regret that I'm getting well. Because those nights, and, and my physical therapist said, I'm sure you're not sleeping. Nobody sleeps. And I said, I sleep 10 hours. Is that unusual? Yeah, that's very unusual. You know, you've got straps around your leg that won't let you bend them. They're like prisons. And you're telling me you sleep. And I said, yeah, I sleep. I just sleep. Because I don't know why I slept so well, but I slept. yes, I do. I, the Lord just came, and I would go to sleep imaging being held, just being held. And it was a wonderful time. So you don't have to be well. You don't have to be strong. As a matter of fact, sometimes when we're not so well, the Lord comes even more profoundly. When we don't have strength to pray, the Lord comes because we are bearers of what? The cross, the suffering. So even in the time of our death and in our suffering, the glory comes. In the time of our last breath, the glory comes. Isn't that wonderful? So I don't have to be all put together. I don't have to be without pain. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be smart. I don't even have to have my right mind. The Lord's glory comes. Let us hunger for that glory. I'm going to try something. I don't know if it's going to work. But I want you to hear a prayer that was prayed at the Church of God General Assembly by a woman by the name of Margaret Gaines. Josh has heard of her. Others may have. She was, um, at 19, she took a steamership to Tunisia. She wanted, God had called her to be an ambassador of his love to the Arabs. Her calling was from God, will you love the Arabs? Can I love them through you? So she ended up in the West Bank in Israel in a village called Abud. And there she was there for over 40 years. She built a church, a school. And the town knew her as their holy woman. And, and when they were having this, oh, goodness, the, especially during the, the Gulf War, and, and those rockets were coming in. The Palestinians didn't have gas masks, so they thought, they said, if we can just get to Mar Margaret's house, her little cottage, we'll all be safe. So during that time, the whole villagers would come in. And when she would drive her little VW Beetle through the streets of Abud, the shopkeepers, these are Muslim men, would come out and make everybody get out of the way because she was driving through. She was revered as the holy woman of the village. I revered her. I call her. She's passed now a few, two years ago. I called her, you know, St. Margaret. And my game would be, how long can I be in Margaret's presence and not cry? One time I made it 10 minutes. Um, she had a, 
a disturbing, wonderful sense of God's presence. It was wonderful. She, she bore the glory in um, her pain for the Palestinian people. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.